Oh, 15 stops. Yeah, now in Honduras, it's always at least an hour. <laughs> so, praise the Lord. Uh, it is interesting. As I was just thinking this morning, wait a minute. This is the first mission conference of the second half century. <laughs> you know, it's, pretty, it's really a privilege and a joy to be the kickoff for the second half century. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, and, and it's in the whole scheme of history, it's probably not that big of a thing, but still, it is, I just, all of a sudden this morning it occurred to me, wait a minute, this is, we're starting the second 50 years of, and mission conference, the second 50 years starts right now. Second, I'm going to bring up my, everything's electronic now, you know, so you have to, uh, there we go. And I can preview what I'm going to see. So, anyways, the uh, Mary Lou, you know, if you want to stand up just to wave at the people, or you'll, she'll sit down and wave at the people, okay? And she stays pretty active. You'll see some of the stuff we do. Uh, our uh, heart's desire is to see the whole body of Christ mobilized for meaningful involvement in the world Christian movement. Now, probably in this congregation, that doesn't mean, mean that much explanation, but we'll explain it anyway a little further on. So we're passionate uh, about seeing missional churches, churches that are on mission throughout the world, equip, equipping and facilitating God's people to be on mission with him. If we look at the situation of the world today, uh, you can see the about one-third, the blue and the green, is Christendom, everything is called Christian. But uh, about 12% of the world population would be what we could call committed Christians, born-again believers or, or, or uh, Great Commission Christians. A lot of different ways to explain that. Then that's about one-third, and then uh, a little less. And there's another 27% that are non-believers in reached ethnic groups. Even like here in Tulsa, there are a lot of people in sleeping in this morning that are not believers, right? They're, but they're here, and there's churches everywhere, and there's radio, and there's everything available. They've just chosen not to believe. And the gray area, which is about 40% of the world population, are non-believers in unreached ethnic groups, or even many unreached, unengaged ethnic groups, where they, don't, they couldn't find the gospel if they looked for it in their group, in their in their area where they spend all their whole lives. They don't know anybody who knows someone who knows anybody who might be a Christian. They're so far removed, they have no chance of hearing the gospel unless we intentionally take the gospel to them. The, the pink area sometimes we call the fortunate unbelievers. And you might think that being an unbeliever is unfortunate in any case, but they're fortunate because they're where the gospel is. They have access to the gospel. They can talk to a neighbor. There's a church on the corner. They can turn on the radio. They could go to a Christian bookstore. They have access to the, to the gospel. But the most unfortunate of all are those in the gray, the 40% who have, they're the truly unfortunate unbelievers who have no access, no chance to hear the gospel. They live and die, many in what we call a 1040 window, but they don't call it that. They call it home. And, and they live their whole life without even realizing that they can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. They have no, con no concept of what that could mean. Well, when we uh, look at Latin America, which is where we're focused, 
there's 95 million evangelical believers across Latin America, about 15% of the population as a whole. It's more in some countries, less in other countries. Yet, at the same time, very, very few cross-cultural missionaries are sent from Latin America. And sometimes it's hard to get statistics on how many. You see something like Honduras, and they'll say 143 missionaries sent from Honduras, but you start really checking that out, and many of them what we like to call, uh, actually we, I say, but it's uh, Ralph Winter is first calling this transplanted pastors. They're like Honduran pastor pastoring Hondurans congregation here in the United States or in Spain. Uh, others are Latin Americans who came with their, to study at their denomination seminary here in the United States and were sent from churches here in the United States, but they weren't actually sent from Latin America. So the churches in Latin America are still not involved in missions. Somebody who came and studied here at a seminary, Baptist or somebody of God or something, and is now on the field somewhere in the world, but sent and financed totally from churches here in the United States. And when you get right down to trying to find out who was sent from Latin America, it just becomes handful in, in, in our country, in Honduras. And even in Brazil, where people say, oh, Brazil's sending lots of missionaries. And it's not that they are sending more on average than, they are sending more on average than some countries in Latin America, but there are 50 million evangelicals in Brazil, and they're sending one missionary for every 23,000 believers. So it's not like a lot, you know. It's not a lot compared. Uh, in the United States, it's one missionary for every 2,000 evangelicals, which is shameful considering the resources that this country has. Now, a church like TCF helps bring that average up. I, sometimes, yes, because there are churches who are not or have zero involvement in mission, unfortunately. Well, so this is the situation. And uh, what is the problem then? Well, here's what I, I see it. Uh, why is this happening? Well, from well over a century, probably over 150 years, the people, ha people have seen the world, Christians in particular, have seen the world as mission-sending countries and mission-receiving countries. And the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, England, Germany at one time, uh, are all considered missionary-sending countries. And most of Africa, Asia, and Latin America were missionary-receiving countries. And missionaries, and so I'm, we're, we're missionaries, but we didn't occur for them to teach the people that they also had a call to mission, that all believers have a call to mission. Well, in Honduras, for example, according to the Joshua Project, it's like 27, a little over 27%, 27.56% of the population consider themselves evangelical believers. The Honduran church is quite capable of continuing to saturate their own country and grow the church in their own culture, quite capable. And also of reaching out. We have basically two ethnic groups left with, with sizable unreached populations. The, the total clan peoples who have five clans, and two of the clans have churches, the other three do not. Uh, the Nayagna people. But then there are relatively small groups. The Mayagna are 10,000 people in, in Honduras. And... Uh, so this, but still, they're the, they're the only two groups that are, you could say actually have considerable unreached populations. The, uh, the Honduran church is also capable of reaching them. As a matter of fact, in the last 15 years, the Honduran church has begun reaching out to the Tolpan people. And so there's, you know, we know a guy, one of the guys who's in one of our courses, works with the Tolpan. So they're, they're capable of it in Latin America, but they still view themselves as in the receiving category. Missionaries need to come and help us. Missionaries need to come and do, do things for us. And Honduras is a rich nation, but it's not a sent nation. So how do we 
remedy this. You know, we have a thing that's going on in our uh, countries, and it's it's also uh, everywhere else. But it's what we call typical Christians. The church people come to the Lord, and the church brings them in, sits them down, and that's where they want them to stay. And they turn people into churchgoers, but not out reaching out. Well, one of the things that I see in the Bible is missional discipleship. I think it's a hallmark of a mobilized church or a sending church is that the discipleship is missional. And disciples that make disciples is what we're talking about. Uh, that I started looking at the churches in Honduras and I see too many people, even in our congregation, that we have an excellent discipleship program, but they graduate and then they don't do anything. Well, the discipleship is a, in a program, maybe someone can graduate, but we're changing that Starting this year, we're changing things. No longer going to be a graduation. Nobody graduates from being a disciple in the Bible. You're a disciple for the rest of your life. You don't graduate. So it's the only school that doesn't graduate anybody, but the, at least not in this life. But the, the, uh, so we're, we, we need to, to have disciples who make disciples. I look at when Jesus called uh, Peter and Andrew. And he, he, this is Matthew 4.19. And he says to them, uh, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. From the get-go, he's saying, follow me, and, and uh, you're going to go out. I'll, make, you know, I'll prepare you to do something. I'll make you fishers of men. And I, you know, the, to me, there's, that's Bible, Jesus is not saying, follow me you know, and, and, and have a good time. He's saying, follow me for a reason. You know, now, we'll talk, I'm going to delve this a little bit. But the Bible teaches that all the church, all of God's people everywhere the church exists is called to be on mission with him. On mission is not just sending someone to Central Asia or to South America or to Africa. On mission is being on mission wherever you are. So you have family, you have friends, you have neighbors, you have trips to the supermarket, you all have chances. Everybody has time to be on mission with God and to take advantage of the opportunities to redeem the times uh, and, and, and that time, that word time, the redeeming of time is kairos, redeem the occasions that God gives you to, to, to be on mission with him, to take advantage of those. That's the way I look at it. But anyways, no believer is exempt from this call. We can all do something. Even people who can't move around much can still do something. Uh, I remember Brother Jim Garrett saying to me, you know, once you get older, you, things you, you can do less, and at some point you transition into intercession until the Lord takes you home. Everyone can do something. I was just talking with Carl earlier, and he was talking about, they, you know, he prays for us every day. And I said, I know you do. He has for years. He prays for all TCS missionaries every day. Well, he's getting older, but he's still serving the Lord, and he's praying every day. He's doing his part for mission. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, so at our core, we have a heart for seeing God, all God's people mobilized and engaged in kingdom work wherever they are. So... I like to paraphrase Matthew 4.19 like this. Follow me and I will equip you to go. Follow me and I will equip you to go. And when I see that, this is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry when he's calling his disciples. And one of the things that makes that I, I thought, and I thought, there's at the very end of his ministry, in the last week, in John 15, everybody knows John 15, a very famous chapter in in John, he's talking about the vine and, and, and being attached to the vine. And in John 15, 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. 
I'm wondering if the disciples were thinking back, you know, Peter and Andrew and, and, and James and John, it was all part of that, and, and the other disciples remembering when Jesus called them. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed or commissioned or, or ordained you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. Go and bear fruit. Not sit down and bear fruit, but go and bear fruit. And, he, and, and I think, follow me and I will make you pictures of men. I chose you to go and bear fruit. When beginning and the end is, and I think, are those, those have got to be related. I tell you, if you look at, Jan, at John 15 as a, as a missionary uh, uh, chapter, it'll open up a whole new way of looking at John 15. It's all about the mission of the disciples because Jesus was about to leave. Well, we have, when we talk about missions, as I've mentioned briefly, I just want to put it up. God's people are on mission at all times. We should always be on mission, but we have two dimensions in mission. Almost everyone will always be in their own culture. But there's, we have to be on mission in our own culture. But we also should never forget the other cultures. And we have to be on mission, reaching out, being part of reaching out to other parts of the world, people. We have to, that part has to be intentional. Being on mission in our own culture should be natural, part of who we are as a Christian. We have to intentionally decide to go to places where we would never naturally have contact, like Central Asia and places like that. So what do we do here? Well, what are we going to do about this? Mary Lou and I, and what are we doing? So we have a first you know, hallmark of a church that is mobilized, is missional discipleship. Well, we're mobilizing all of God's people. Now, we're focused on Spanish-speaking peoples, and uh, so this is what we're all about. What is mission mobilization? Well, it's all about encouraging and equipping God's people to join with him in reaching all the peoples of the world. We think it's the necessary first step for a church to be ascending church, is the church to be a mobilized church. Now, we want to see a mobilization movement in Latin America. I'm going to talk a little bit about some courses we do and stuff like that, but I know everybody is my age, at least will get this, but a course is a course, of course, of course. And uh, there we go. So a course is just a course, even if it's not a talking course. But at any rate, the, we're not interested in just doing courses. The point is to start a mission mobilization movement and we want to see mobilization activities. We make alliances with other people who are doing different mobilization activities than we are because we all need to work together to see the church mobilized. And we found that mobilizing the church is like pushing a car. If you stop, it'll stop. If you, if you, the church needs to be constantly reminded of what the call to the church is and being on mission with God. So we want to see a mission, we want to see a mobilization movement in Latin America that can sustain a mission-sending movement. Now, God is relentless in pursuing his mission. It has been uh, since the beginning. His mission to reach all people and all peoples with the message of redemption and reconciliation with God and Christ Jesus. And his plan for realizing this is and always has been his people. He doesn't have a plan B. His plan is that his redeemed people will reach the rest of the world. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 
Well, some of the things we do, uh, you can see Mary Lucy there in the, just behind uh, uh, Daniela's head, yeah. Uh, Javier Soler is the son of the pastor of the local church where we go, but he, a couple of years ago, he did the Kairos course, and that changed him. He suddenly realized this is what we know. We, we've got to get the church up and mobilized. And uh, so now he's, we've, he's worked, we've worked with him. We've known him since before he was born, I could say. But, he, he, but he, we've worked with him, trained. He's now a, 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 what we call an accredited head facilitator. He's writing a course right now this morning. Oh, well, they're done now, but, they, but this morning, one of the Kairos courses over nine Sundays. And, uh, and pay attention to the girl that's got her back to you there in the, in the foreground, Daniela uh, Gonzalez, holding the paper. I'll bring her up again. But Javier here is he's, uh, teaching a session in a facilitator training course. And he's been an instrumental in bringing the Youth Kairos course to Honduras. We did the first Youth Kairos course in, in January of this year. And he is, he's, uh, was, I let him go with that. I mean, he's perfectly capable of doing it. And I couldn't do it anyways. Yukaira's course, you cannot be uh, over 35 and be a head facilitator, so I don't qualify. <laughs> and, and, but he does. So we had 13 youth from six different churches, and every single one of them at the end of the course said, I want to be a youth Kairos facilitator. This, we've got to get this into my church. Some of those people had never been involved in any type of mobilization activity with their church, with us at least. And, and, and so we're looking forward to developing... The, the a youth mobilization movement also because you can't just develop a the adults. So how are we going to do this? Well, we need to prepare the next generation. It's it sounds simple, but it's not sometimes. You know, we got the generational gap that always exists. We have a lot of things, but we have uh, resources and tools that we use for mobilization, and we're, we're working on preparing, also mobilizing people of all ages, but preparing the next generation of mobilizers. And we have some of our tools that we're using, in particular, from Simply Mobilizing. You can find out more about them at simplymobilizing.com. But the Kairos course, uh, which started in the Philippines in 1994, and uh, this is the fourth edition we're using. The fifth edition is going to come out at the end of this year. And we'll have some newer stuff and some newer videos and some newer reading and some, some and a few changes. Uh, Kairos Youth, which those are all in Spanish. Kairos Hogan, uh, the unfinished story interface, which is a seminar for pastors about what the biblical what a missional church is and what it might look like for their church to be a missional church. And Mobi 101, which is for mobilizers, and uh, that's for people who've already done some of our courses and want to be mobilizers in their local church. Well, these are some of the resources that we use, but we, we, we want all of our teaching to be transformational teaching, and transformational teaching that's designed to change our worldview and bring it into alignment with a biblical worldview. Now, what is our worldview? Our worldview is the lens through which we see and interpret the world. To have a biblical worldview means we want to see the world the same way God does. We don't want to see the world uh, as, you know, Good people and bad people. We don't want to see, uh, you know, people, the world as 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 we want. Uh, we want to see the world the way God sees the world. 
God wants to redeem from every people in the world a people for his own possession. And he will do it. John saw that in, in, the, in the Revelations. He saw people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. He will do it. He's cost us to help to be on mission with him to accomplish that. So, transformational teaching. I mentioned that. What is transformational teaching? Well, it's more than just education. It requires a response to a challenge. It requires a decision to change one's lifestyle in response to God's will as expressed in his word. In other words, to use another word, just obedience. It requires obeying God's word. Jesus said, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And in the Western world, because of the Renaissance, we tend to see knowledge as foremost. The person who knows the most is the person who is the, always right the most or somehow. You know, the, the person who knows the most, the disciple who knows the most is the best disciple. But in the Bible, it's the disciple who obeys, obeys the most is the best disciple. And we want to uh, teach obedience-based discipleship. So, you know, you need to, what is God teaching and what are you going to do about it? You know, how is your life going to change because of this? Are you going to change? Are you going to change your life and say, I'm, I, from what God is doing, my life needs to change? So, in the Latin American church, the prevailing wor worldview is that we receive missionaries. Just a uh, part of the worldview, you know. We, we, we need help. But the biblical worldview is that all God's people are called to reach the nations. And when... Uh, Everybody's familiar with this verse. And sometimes it's, I think, you know, Paul, all of the things he talked about mission and about uh, uh, church reaching out with the gospel, going places, he didn't have the New Testament. He, he based everything on the scriptures that we call the Old Testament. And when he wrote this to Timothy, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others, I think... I wonder where he got that. And I don't know if I found it, but I found one that's like it. In Psalm 71, 18, and the psalmist says, Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. As I, read, I found a version in one place, says, your mighty acts to all who are not, are not yet born. So he wasn't thinking just of his generation. He was thinking of the next and the next and the next. All who are to come. And maybe Paul, knowing that verse in Psalms, that was his inspiration to write this to Timothy. Don't know, but it could have been. But at any, at any rate, it's not just a New Testament idea. Being a witness to your generation and the, and the coming generations is, is part, of being, uh, uh, part of being a representative of God throughout all time. We intentionally plan for growth and for fruit that remains. We're thinking we need to reach out and to teach people who can teach others. We you have to be intentional in planning for it. You have to be intentional in planning for growth. You have to be intentional in planning for fruit that, that's going to last. And, and uh, I find that some people want to be trained, but they don't want to actually work in mobilization. They just want to go to the course. And I'm like, you're wasting my time. You're wasting other people's time that are in the course because you're just going to come here and take up our time. And uh, because we're well, like in the course has practices and things like that, so all that takes time. 
And I, so I really concentrate on talking, telling people what the cost of it is. So if you don't know, this means you come to a facilitator course that you're going to be working in, in courses and helping facilitate courses and helping mobilize other people. Well, I don't plan on doing that. Well, then why are you going to come? You know? Well, I don't want to be mean to people, but I, but I, but I do want to, people to understand that when we're, when we're training people, it's because we're going to serve the Lord doing something. You know? And we want to have the vision to, to mobilize our churches. Well, we've, we train and mentor other people. We want to see uh, a mission mobilization movement in all of Latin America, and we'd like to see mobilizers in every local church. So that's part of what we do. I didn't move that slide along like I should have. The, uh, this is uh, training for a, what we call the National Coordinating Team in Guatemala, for Guatemala and Honduras. And this is... Uh, the uh, one of the things that we do, like in where, where the way I work, or I'm working with Colin Bacon, who's an Australian, who is the coordinator for Latin America, as a, and he's slowly moving out of that. But so as I work with him, so he says, okay, uh, I've already had this training. He says, you know, I want you to help me give this training. And this is the same way I do with people that we're training. Okay, you've had the training. I want you to help me do this. You know, I want you to. So we want to model it, we want to help them do it, and we want to watch them do it, as they say, you know, okay, you're good to go. So Colin's been doing also that with me. Everyone in our is, is either is training someone and also being trained at the same time in different areas. Well, I looked at the facilitators in, uh, in Honduras. I should say, we're still talking about preparing the next generation. Uh, there's, I looked at facilitators in Honduras and I thought, there's only one of us that's under 35 years old. This was a couple of years ago. So I began to look for young people to catch the vision of mobilizing the church in Honduras. And uh, so we have, you know, when we're, talk we're talking, I'll get to there in a minute, but like we have people, Javier is on this slide, uh, Daniel Boniche, if you, any of you to see our letters, the Nicaraguan, we had the first course in Nicaragua. Well, he's part of preparing the next generation. And uh, Javier was with me. We went over and, and helped him run the very first course in January. It means moving a lot. And then, but also Daniel Boniches, we had a, a had a facilitator course afterwards with eight of the eight people who took the course to be facilitators for the next time we do a course, hopefully at the end of May or first part of June. And Daniel Boniches also then training people from of his own people in Nicaragua. We have people from four churches in that in that course. Uh, so in Mary Lou, this is getting to the younger people again. She's in, uh, looks like a review of chapter six. Well, pay attention to the guy in the green shirt. That guy is, is Javier Valenzuela. And uh, he's about 22 years old. And he's, taking, he's receiving the Kairos course, and this was probably early last year. And, uh, and so we're looking to training younger people. And as I said, you know, two years now, after looking, who can we train? Now, two years later, we have a number of facilitators from ages 18 to 31. Now they can be younger than 18. We said, but here is Javier Valenzuela, the third one from the right. The uh, Valeria and Francis and Javier and Sagana Gunton and uh, uh, Victor and Daniela. She's the girl that had her back to the camera, uh, holding the paper when Javier was teaching. And Javier, the ever-present Javier Soleta there. <laughs> but but the the uh, this team with Sagana is an Australian. We brought over to lead the very first youth Kairos course in all of Central America. And all of this team, except for Zagana, is people that we train and, and 
we have to, ha we, you know, they have a vision, and we, they want to see the young people and the youth in all the churches mobilized for mission. In Honduras, 32%, I had to look this up for the course, because we contextualized the course and get the data on Honduras for part of the course. 32% of the population is between the ages of 10 and 24. That is a huge chunk of the population that is young. So mobilizing the believers in that, in that age group is extremely important because there's so many other people in that age group to reach. And if we can mobilize them, soon we'll have a large group of the next generation that we're preparing, you know. So these people helped lead the first uh, Kairos course, youth Kairos course, in uh, Honduras. One of the things that I like to say when I talk to people about this is if you're not preparing the next generation, you're simply presiding over the last generation. Wow. We, we can't, we have, to re, we have to be preparing the next generation. And okay, so Daniel Bonici, you saw his hair is whiter than mine. Well, he's about three years younger than I am. But I've already told him, I said, Daniel, you've got to get young people. Now, some of the people that were in the uh, course were younger and in their early 20s. And I said, we've we got to, from the get-go, we've got to get young people in to mission mobilization because Nicaragua's statistics are going to be very similar to Honduras as far as the distribution of the population. We want to see a movement throughout all the ages of the church, children, youth, adults. And we want to see all the church and all God's people mobilized. We want to see a mobilization movement. We believe that that's, the, like I said earlier, the first step to have a, a mission sending movement. Because a mobilized church, I mean, look, you have a mobilized church. Let me, let me go backwards. You have a church that's not mobilized. One or two people from that congregation might say, God's calling me to be a missionary. What do they end up doing? And this is something that has happened more than, started happening more than 100 years ago, and it's the way mission agencies change the way they work because of it. The church had no interest because there was no mission mobilization in the church. So this person who really felt the call to missions goes directly to a mission agency, and mission agencies started recruiting kids directly at mission conferences, at Christian colleges and things like that, and the local church was left out of the picture, which I don't really think is the biblical pattern. I think it's more like TCF where the local church is heavily involved. Uh, but the, the, now many mission agencies are coming back around saying if, if the local church is not involved, we can't because we're not equipped for pastoral care. The local church should be equipped for pastoral care of the missionaries they send and those types of things. So there, there, there's, uh, if we want to see, um, you see a mobilized church, then out of the people who are mobilized, there's going to be some who say, God is calling me to go to another culture, to another part of the world, and the mobilized church will say, great, how can we send you? <laughs> what do we need to do? You know, it's not just uh, 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 it's not just pray, give, and go. That's when something's been used for years. But you've got logistics, you've got communications, you've got finances, you've got prayer, you've got pastoral care. There's a whole lot of things that go into really sending and supporting missionaries on the field. So, a mobilized church says learns how to send uh, people. A mobilized church knows how to receive people. I know there's some people in this congregation that are involved with with foreign students that, that, that come, you know, and there's people, there's, there's, there's countries, 
closed countries that have students studying in the United States that they, well, it'd be terribly hard to get into their country, we can reach them right here in the United States when, when they come here to study or to work. And the uh, third thing, we talked about missional discipleship. We talked about preparing the next generation. Living sent, I think, is a key component to, being a, to a mobilized church, to a sending church. Living sent doesn't mean that, you know, we're not talking about the only sent ones are not just the people in other cultures, people in Central Asia or South America or Central America or Africa or wherever, or Europe. Living sent is about realizing that every single believer has been sent as an ambassador for Christ at all times and all places. And everyone knows, uh, we're back in 2 Corinthians 5, another great mission passage. If you look at, we look at it through missions, uh, the context, to me, the context of the whole Bible is missions. Uh, as, as, as Ralph Winter used to say, uh, the Bible is not the basis, of, the basis of missions. Missions is the basis of the Bible. It's the foundation of the Bible is God is on mission. That's the reason we have a Bible. Or as Max Chisholm, the head of Simply Mobilizing, says, you know, if the, is the Bible, what is the Bible about? People would say it's a book about God. Well, it would be a little thicker if it was to tell us all about God. So this is, he's really, it's a book about God. It's not that it's not a book about God, but it's a book about God on mission and God on mission with his people. And when you start looking at that context, you say, wow, it really is. God is on mission, and he's on mission with his people. He's invited us to be part of that. So uh, 1 Corinthians 5, uh, 17 through 20, just going to pull out the key phrases. You know, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Not just some people in Christ are a new creature. Anyone in Christ is a new creature. Now all these things, pardon me, that all things have passed away, behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Gave us the job, it's diakonos in the Greek. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I do have a word study Bible. So, and, so he gave us the job, he gave us the task of reconciliation. Namely, what is it? That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So he gave us the job and he gave us the message of reconciliation, all of us. Therefore, considering those things, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So we're, one of the things that we're doing in our local church in Honduras is we're really changing things up this year. We're, uh, how can I explain this? Here's what's happened. One of the things we've been aiming at as far as our local church is what I see it all across, but we have a chance to model things for other churches. And that, one of the things is, you reach a tipping point. Whatever the majority of the people do or believe in a church tends to set the tone of the church. Not the pastor, but the majority of the people. And you get a majority of the people mobilized, suddenly the whole timber and tone of the church changes towards mobilization. And we're, at, we're, we're reaching that point in our local church. We have a majority of the people have done either Kairos or the Unfinished Story or commissioned one of our mobilization courses. 
Now, commission is not a simply mobilizing force. But so we, we are, we have, we're rethinking, okay, discipleship. We've got to get discipleship out of the church, the first part, back into the homes where it was supposed to be <laughs> many years ago. You know, said that every person knows how to make disciples. So they can sit down and have coffee with two or three neighbors or with their family or, 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 or sit down with some fellow students in the class during a, during a break in classes or during a break at work and, and, and say, you know, that's, we're going to take some time here and, and all agreed, of course, but we're going to, have to uh, look over this passage of scripture and, and we'll comment on it and we'll see, you know, what is it teaching us and begin to, to disciple people and all the church will not stop discipling, but get people that they get the disciples to start making disciples, especially aimed at people who are not yet believers. So we'll be living sent. Well, some of you may have seen uh, pictures. The girl on the left there is Flor Tejeda, and she's a Honduran. She's working in the Horn of Africa, mainly with Somali and Yemeni refugees. Uh, so that pretty much tells you which country she's in. But at any rate, the, <laughs> the, if you know your geography. But the, uh, the, she did the Kairos course a couple of years ago. But she also, she's working in a YWAM group. But the, 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 she built, not only did she affirm her call, she built relationships during that course. And now, for example, our local church and other people individually support her, are part of her monthly support, Hondurans. Well, this is one of the things we're looking for, that Hondurans realize they can send missionaries. You know, and so that's, that's one of the things we want to we see. She's, she's sent to another place. This is Milo Choqueanco. He's Peruvian. Uh, Marisol Cabana, who I didn't get in the picture, is one of the other people working to build a team. I've been going to Peru. I got a trip to Peru at the end of April. And I'll be in Arequipa and probably Lima. The Lima one is not, I don't set up that schedule, that part of Lima. I do the Arequipa part. But uh, bu building a team, a mobilizing team on Arequipa. It's the second largest city in Peru. And uh, way down south, high in the mountains, it's a desert, four inches of rain a year. And, uh, but, but if you, their name, their last names, Choqueanco and Cahuana, sound strange just because they're Quechua. And uh, we had people in some of the courses whose first language was not Spanish, but Quechua. And some of the younger people who, who come in to go to, the Bible, to go to Bible school. The, uh, in Spain last year, uh, in December, these are areas that I'm working in, focused on you know, Latin, Honduras, Nicaragua, Peru, and Spain. Uh, in this picture, every single person there, six people, six countries. This is really typical of Spain, me included, of course, but one Spaniard, uh, Finland, as I go from left to right, there's me, and then Spaniard, Finland, uh, uh, Australia, Colombia, and Romania. Every single person. This is very typical of Spain, and these are all mobilizers. Uh, and we're doing the interface seminar there. We did it, presented it for the first time in, in Spain with Colin and I were there. Uh, we don't do just do, like I mentioned, we do a lot of mobilization activities. In our church, every week, we pray for an unreached people group in our local church. I've given the same thing to the, the, the files to, to other, other people to use in their churches. This year we're changing up. Now we're going to pray for the same people group a whole month. Just because we, for three years, we pray for a different one every week. So now we're going to choose one every month. Get a little bit more involved in prayer and get a little bit more involved in what is this, who are these people. And another thing is working with children. 
So Mary Lou is here with the children's teachers, and when I was looking at this picture closer up on the computer, I thought, let's see, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, have all done one of our mobilization courses. We're wanting to get the teachers mobilized too. <laughs> we're talking about the children's camp last year and, and how we were going to have the groups. We had 10 ethnic groups, five groups of boys, five groups of girls, all divided by age, about 63 kids. Uh, and each one had their own group of, of uh, uh, ethnic group, unreached ethnic group they learned about, learned to pray for, and, and learned to uh, tell about it to other people. They made little, you know, little kids, all the kids had a little passport. And every time they went to an, uh, ex, an exposition of an ethnic group, they got a stamp in their passport. So they have 10 stamps by the time the, the, the deal was over. Of course, it's a kid's camp. They had lots of fun games and everything. But we wanted them to learn how to pray for the unreached. So here, this is like probably 12-year-old girls uh, with a couple of their counselors. Learn, huh? For the Rohingya. For the Rohingya, yeah. And, and, and uh, in Myanmar. Or actually, it's the ethnic group without a country. Myanmar says they don't—they're not citizens of their country, and and, and uh, Bangladesh doesn't want them either, so they're sort of stuck. But the uh, they the the whole crew, uh, the kids, and that we didn't get in the middle on purpose. They asked us to get in the middle, was, uh, but really we didn't run <laughs> the children's camp. We just got gave them a lot of ideas and and let them go with it. But as, there's about as many adults as kids in a children's camp, uh, between the cooks and the counselors and and everybody, you know. So uh, quite a crew there in, in the children's camp. And this year, the children's camp is saying, okay, now how do we follow up on this? Well, we want to follow up by teaching the kids how to share the gospel with other kids that they know in school and in their neighborhood. How can they go about, you know, how can they share the gospel? How can they be, reach out and be, and be ambassadors for Christ? So that's going to be the focus of the kids' camp this year. Well, so the three things that I've... There's a lot more than three things, but I think three key things for a mobilized church is we have missional discipleship. We're focused on preparing the next generations, and all of us live sent. We realize that we're all sent to this world. Now, I want to, uh, can't end, I know Mary Lou would say thank you. I can't end without saying thank you. TCF is the most mission-focused church that supports us. I think a lot of TCF insurance would say the same thing. Uh, however, still, even when someone does what they know is right, they still deserve thanks. You know? And we want to thank you for, for being a big part of our support, for being a big part of our prayer support, for always being also pastoral support, you know, and always being concerned with not just what we are doing, but how we are you know, and, 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 uh, as people. And that's all important. When you give into our ministry, you're not just investing in us. Uh, you're investing in people that we're discipling in Honduras, in Nicaragua, Peru, Spain. Uh, as soon as one of those countries I'm out of, a guy had talked to me and said, you know, would you be willing to go to Panama? I said, let me get dro- I don't want to do more than four. Let me drop one country. As soon as one country gets where I don't need to go there, we'll talk about going to Panama. But wherever God opens doors for us, and... At the door, any doors of service, you'll all, in, you're investing in that. And always remember that all the missionaries that this church invests in, this church also shares in the fruit. Each of you share in the fruit because we're all co-laborers in God's plan and God's mission around the world. And we all need to work together and build alliances uh, 
the speakers from OM, and I've been talking to some of the people, and we don't have people in OM in the city we live in, but the capital city, Tegucigalpa, said, I would really like for you guys to come to one of our courses and have 15 minutes at the end of lunch, and you can talk about OM and what you do and tell people, you know, here's a place you can get involved. When you, you say, now that I've done this course, what can I do? Well, here's something you can do. And so uh, we haven't been able to get that coordinated yet, but that's one of the things we want to make alliances and all work together because we're all working in God's mission. And one of the things that we've seen, we have, we have Baptists and Central American Mission and, and Assembly of God and Church of God and uh, Church of God and Church of God, there's more than one <laughs> denomination, but uh, uh, and non-denominational churches, all kinds of churches that we're working together in mobilization. And one guy asked me years ago, a few years ago, he said, well, how is it that you guys all on the team here are from different churches and you work together? I said, well, we have different ways of doing things. You know, Central American people, they play real, they're in silence. It's, uh, Central American Mission was, one of the main founders was uh, Schofield. So you can tell it's a very conservative church, SCI Schofield. But at any rate, um, the, there, and there's Pentecostals, and there, so, you know, we have different ways of doing things. But we all agree that we all have the same mission. We all have the same Lord. We all have the same mission. When we focus on the mission, we all work together. So... Uh, as uh, Jeff Lewis did, one of pretty well-known Southern Baptists, he was, I think he was the dean of the Southern Baptist Seminary in, over by Oklahoma City at one point, I was in California, but he said, talking about the way churches are different, he says, if we can't all agree on the how, can we at least agree on the why? Why are we here? We're here to reach to all the nations. And so we work together with all the expressions of the body of Christ to reach to mobilize his people, and to reach the nations. Thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure and honor to be here. Lord bless you all.